1: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
1: United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. Whew. What a Tuesday it was around the NHL! What a way to end the month of February! It's March 1st, and this is Daily Face Off Live streaming live on the Daily Face Off YouTube. I'm Tyler Yerumdrek, he is our NHL insider, Frank Saravali, who is working hard up until the wee hours of the morning breaking deals. Frank, that day for me is close to maybe not quite at the level of, but that day in June when we got like Stamkos. Weber for Subban, Hall for Larson. Like yesterday was close in terms of the amount of news we got in the stunners.
2: Yeah, I'd be real curious, Tyler, to check the NHL records to see in a trade deadline period how many more days were active than the 11 trades that were executed on Tuesday. It's an absolutely bananas day. And the crazy thing is it'll slow down a little bit, I'd imagine, today, but there's still a lot to happen
0: yeah there is still a lot to happen and just a reminder on march 3rd on deadline day we will be streaming live for four hours noon eastern until four o'clock eastern frank a lot happened yesterday that means we have a lot to get to on today's show so let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and start with the late night blockbuster between the columbus blue jackets and the los angeles kings now usually frank I'd start by asking you about the team that added the most, but in this case, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Kings moving on from Jonathan Quick, a move that, I mean, that's going to send a shock through that locker room, no doubt, and there's no doubt they added a ton of value here, but a lot of people are saying, you know, did you kind of do a franchise legend dirty by making this move?
2: Yeah, it's hard for me to answer because I don't know what the conversation was like, if any, leading up to this. Uh, I think a little bit of the bloom was off the rose between Jonathan Quick and the Los Angeles Kings when they made him eligible for the Seattle expansion draft. I don't think that went over too well, but this one, man, I I can tell you it hurts. And it doesn't just hurt Jonathan Quick, who I mentioned on Twitter last night, that unhappy would be an understatement in terms of how he feels like this was managed and to be going to the Columbus Blue Jackets at this point in time. But it's also sent shockwaves throughout the Los Angeles Kings dressing room. Spoke to a couple players yesterday via text message who were on the plane on the way back last night from Winnipeg. A game in which Andrzej Kopitar scored four goals and they had multiple comebacks in their win against the Jets was an absolutely somber, plain ride home. No one expected Jonathan Quick to be part of this deal. And I saw some reaction on social media. I was like, well, Quick's passed his due date. Did he really think that he was going to be playing out the full 10-year deal that he signed with the Kings? And my answer is, yeah, when you get to about six weeks left in a 10-year deal, and you've delivered two Stanley Cups to a city, and your team is gearing up for the playoffs, that you're probably not thinking that you're going to be on your way out, even if your season to this point has been subpar. So certainly a shock, and, and my guess is uh, probably still more to come on the Jonathan Quickfile.
0: Uh, yeah, we'll touch on that a little bit later in the show. Let's talk about on the ice, because I actually like this move from a pure hockey perspective. If you're the Kings, you get a goalie who's having a tremendous season and has a history of putting up big playoff performances like he did in the bubble year. And also Vladislav Gavrikov should slide in nicely on that blue line.
2: Yeah, and look, that's why the mood, I think, will change around the Kings once they realize what they're getting back in return. Corpus has very quietly had an excellent season for the worst team in the NHL this season and one that hasn't done a great job defending. His numbers have been excellent, and after two injury-riddled seasons, Corpus as a pending unrestricted free agent really seems to have turned his game around in a big way. And so I wonder if he gets an extended runway here with the Kings that maybe if they really like what they see, they end up keeping him because that was one of the things that the Kings had talked about leading up to the deadline is not just solving their net issue on a short-term basis, but also on a long-term basis and well, as well. And Gavrikov, there's no doubt that he's a fit. He's a better uh, left shot option for them as they try and balance out their pairs a bit more. They're the right shot bullpen in the NHL. They've got too many guys on the right side. They need more on the left. I think for a whole host of reasons, Jacob Chikrin would have been a better fit. Obviously, the price was a lot more expensive, and they were clearly in and, and, and at varying points very close on Jacob Chikrin. and then to kind of pivot and go a different way and go with Vladislav Gabrikov, it just kind of has a different vibe and feel, and the fact that you needed to move Jonathan Quick in order to do it, I just think has kind of uh, really left everyone wondering uh, what the feel and vibe is going to be like in there.
0: Ah, fair enough. It's one of those things, and we'll touch on it a little bit about the Leafs as well. If you make all these moves, are you maybe risking disrupting some sort of chemistry? The Kings were not the only Pacific Division team to make a big splash yesterday. We had heard the Oilers connected to a number of defensemen in the last couple of days, but Ken Holland makes his guy Matthias Ekholm, and he goes and gets him, giving up a first-round pick, a former first-round draft choice in Reed Schaefer, as well as Tyson Berry and another draft pick. Ekholm is an Oiler, and Frank this feels like a perfect fit for what that Oilers blue line needed. Someone who's just going to steady the ship and give them reliable play in their own end.
2: You know I'm not sold. I think this is one of those trades that has the potential to be a lateral move in the sense that the real change for the Oilers is stylistic. And you could make the argument that that's exactly what they needed for a team uh, some would say needs to defend better the argument I think has been in Edmonton defend better or do we need to move the puck better and so that's sort of the push and pull that I, that has existed when viewing the Oiler's needs through the prism of this trade deadline and I think there's risk here and in, in much the same way that the Kings traded Jonathan quick, a very popular player now also Tyson Barry on the move from Edmonton to Nashville as part of this deal and it's not just that Tyson Barry is a really popular player in that dressing room. It's also that he was quarterbacking the league's number one power play that has been clicking at 31% this season. So you tinker with that. You're going to have to move Bouchard up to quarterback your power play, which he can do and has done previously, but has also had a bit of a down season. So there's risk that your power play maybe isn't quite as good now. Um, And so moving forward, what does Matthias Eckholm have left. That's the big question. He's got three years left on his deal at now six million dollars after the Preds retained 250K. But I think the Preds saw some of the writing on the wall with a player who has lost a few steps in his game. And after basically getting Ryan McDonough for peanuts from the Tampa Bay Lightning on a similar contract already, that the Preds saw the writing on the wall and said, maybe we should move on from Matthias hole while we can still get something of value. And that's certainly what they got in return, because the Oilers had been asked about Reed Schaefer multiple times this season, and every time to this point said no. And so you take a significant roster piece off your team in Tyson Barry, you take one of your top prospects in Reed Schaefer and a first round pick. This is all going to hinge for the Oilers, not just on how they look in these playoffs but also how does Matthias ekholm look moving forward and maybe if you're ken holland and you've got Connor mcdavid and leon Draisaitl having these magical seasons yet again that you don't worry so much about the future and i think that's what Oilers fans have been pounding their fists on the table for but at some point there is risk and the oilers are taking that on uh full steam
0: uh, just quickly before we move on anything else you're expecting from the oilers in holland are there still areas they might be looking to upgrade
2: 100 percent, they are not done they are perusing actively the forward market uh they have cap space now as a result of this deal 1.3 million dollars they have other pieces on their roster that they can move if they need to and or want to kyler yamamoto is one uh warren fogel is another if they're trying to create cap space And so they have a little bit, can get more if they decide to move one of those players and have at least one, if not maybe two more trades in the pipeline before Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern.
0: Last week, it was all about the Eastern Conference teams loading up, and maybe this week some West teams will start to get in the mix a little bit more like we saw yesterday. Let's go to the Eastern Conference, though, for our next topic. The Patrick Kane deal, finally finalized we'd been hearing about it for days almost weeks it was Kane to the Rangers just a matter of when and what was going back the other way well we do have our answer to that and Patrick Kane is reportedly going to make his debut tomorrow night for the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden Frank this deal like I just I, I look at their top nine now and here is the full breakdown of, of Kane. Arizona's keeping some money. They get a third round pick for doing so, a second round pick to Chicago that could turn into a first round pick if some conditions are met as well. Frank, this Kane deal bolsters them. He's reunited with our Panarin in that Rangers top six. Does this make them the team to beat in the Eastern Conference?
2: Well, it certainly makes them better. I don't know that it makes them the team to beat. And I think the reason for that answer is that. The Rangers, to me, and just about everyone else that watches them, would tell you that they don't defend well enough. And so I don't know that when you get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, you can necessarily outscore your mistakes and the chances that you give up. They're certainly going to try. And this is maybe one theory as to as to how you might be able to tackle that. Maybe uh, the Colorado Avalanche and their Stanley Cup win last year emboldened a couple teams to try that theory because... The Avs got some of the worst goaltending of all time to win a playoff series, win a a Stanley Cup last year, and still ended up winning basically by mauling teams with their speed and their scoring. And so you've got a a situation where look at this. Look at these top two lines. You're going to have Panarin on the left with Kane on the right, Kreider on the left, Tarasenko on the right, Zabanajad down the middle, Trocek as your 2C, and then you go to the kid line as your third line. I think they could probably use uh, maybe a little bit more bite as a, as a matchup line. Maybe Tyler Mott ac- accomplishes a little bit of that for the Rangers. Um, but it still, to me, comes down to how they're going to defend as a team. And so I'd put teams like Carolina, I, uh, who still has work to do. I would put the Boston Bruins. Uh, and now the remade Toronto Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning, probably as better positioned, and you could even make the argument, that the New Jersey Devils, who they're likely to clash with in the first round, uh, are on par with the Rangers. So certainly beefed up, that firepower is legit, but I don't know that it makes them the team to beat in my eyes.
0: And it's going to be crazy. That first round in the Eastern Conference is going to be an absolute bloodbath when you look at some potential matchups and who could be going home after just one round. It is going to be great. It's also going to be great to watch that playoff race with some of the teams who are just on the bubble in the Eastern Conference as well. You mentioned the remade Toronto Maple Leafs. We're going to chat with Jay Rosehill about them in just a second here. But, Frank, it is time for my new favorite part of the show where I grab my coffee cup, I sit back, and I say, Frank, empty the notebook. What are you hearing?
2: Well, there's enough to get to after the trades that were executed on Tuesday, Tyler. Uh, Let's start with the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they've got a few irons in the fire. Uh, Jonathan Quick, as we reported last night, flew back to Los Angeles with the team, did not remain in Winnipeg to then fly on to Columbus. Uh, We're told that Quick is in a holding pattern, that the Blue Jackets are trying to facilitate a trade to another playoff team. The goalie market has now opened up a little bit with Corpusalo moving. And so that provides the Blue Jackets, even if it's for a late round picket, they're not interested in the return. They just want to try and do right by Jonathan Quick and send him toward a playoff team after he goes from the playoff bound Kings, the team he's the only team he's ever known, to the 32nd place in the team in the league for the final six weeks of his contract. That's uh, certainly a tough pill to swallow, and I'm sure that Jonathan Quick and his camp are regrouping on Wednesday. We touched on the Oilers and how they're scouring the market for a forward. And one other thing to mention, uh, by the way, on Columbus, as I peek at my notes, is Jacob Chikorin. They certainly have lots of interest in Chikorin. We'll see what that price looks like and if it's changing. Because one thing we did learn in the Gavrikov trade, Tyler, is that for a Columbus team that was asking for a first, a third, and a fourth to match the David Savard deal, they had to come down in a significant way in order to make this trade happen. It basically boils down to a first for Gavrikov, a third for Corpus Allo, and then you take on Quick as well. So uh, certainly not nearly the price that the Blue Jackets were expecting. And all of these expensive prices have led to a number of teams now considering their spot in the standings, their prospects of competing in the playoffs this season, and have led them to, to, to look at the market and say, well, what could we get for this guy? So I'll give you a few examples. The Detroit Red Wings, they want to they want to be in the playoffs. They want to um, you know, to be playing meaningful games in March, but they're also curious what is the market for? Tyler Bertuzzi, what is it for Jacob Verana? And some of these other guys that we might be able to get stuff for. We saw they re-signed Jake Wallman. He's off the board, uh, 3 times 34 and they are closing in, we believe, on an extension for Dylan Larkin. Progress has been made there, uh, and that would be a nice piece of business for Steve Eiserman to get done. A couple other teams quickly, the Seattle Kraken, Carson Soucy is on our trade board. Uh, they're thinking first round plus plus for him based on the defensemen that have moved. Morgan Geeky up front and Will Borgen on the back end. The Florida Panthers keep an eye, look, they're they're curious. What what would the market look like for Sam Reinhardt or Sam Bennett or some of these other players uh, that have been moved to this point? And the Philadelphia Flyers, we've talked about Kevin Hayes being high on our trade targets board. He is in the top three. Uh, Ivan Provorov, his name, also generating significant buzz in recent days as they look at the market and say, well, if we have to pay this much for a rental, how much more would it cost us to get this player who has term and cost control and certainty. So uh, those are some names and teams to keep an eye on over the next 48 hours. I've called it NHL's Wild Card week for a reason. And with some of the names that have been moved, Tyson Barry, Jonathan Quick, for good reason.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's been quite the couple of days around the NHL. Just quickly before we move on to our big segment for today, I see Jacob and a few other people are asking this in the chat. What's the deal with Chikrin? I mean, when you consider the teams, LA was in on him. Okay, now they have Gavrikov, Edmonton. Now they have Ekholm. Toronto went and got McCabe. The Bruins went and got Dimitri Orlov. Jacob asks, is there any chance he just stays put? And Arizona goes, you know what? We'll try this whole song and dance again in the summer. Or do you think the Yotes are facing a crunch of, we got to move this guy in the next
2: couple days? I don't know how they keep him. I really don't. I know I've seen the report saying that um, Arizona GM Bill Armstrong is comfortable. I-, I think he's lost the plot if that's the case. Uh, this has gone on way too long, 15 months now. He's asked for a trade. He's been a good soldier. Now he's been sitting out for almost three weeks as a trade-related reasons healthy scratch. I can tell you this from some teams that debated in the last number of days, should we be in on Chikrin? Should we be in on Ekholm? Should we be in on Gabrikov? The two players that received less interest uh, was in part because of how long they've now been sitting. That it's, hey, we're going to take a week or two when we only have six weeks in the season to get these guys back up to speed. That's not something anyone wants. I don't know how you put the genie back in the bottle when it comes to Jacob Chikrin, bring him back in March and say, oh, hey, get back in the lineup. Not gonna happen. I, I, you know, Maybe he sits out the rest of the season. All I can say is that if you are that firm on your price, and I've said this in multiple shows on multiple different channels, if you have a $600,000 house and you list it for a million and it sits on the market for 400 days, you got to adjust your price in order to make it work.
0: Interesting stuff. Certainly one of the big storylines to watch in the next couple of days. One team that's been busy, the Toronto Maple Leafs. They made three trades yesterday. So why not bring in our friend Jay Rosehill to break it all down in the All 32? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You can listen to a Monday through Friday on Leafs Morning Take. Former Toronto Maple Leaf, Jay Rosehill. Rosie, I this, I'll, I'll get your analyst hat on right away, but first I want to dig into the former player side of things if you're in a room where your gm has now made four or five trades every guys are going out the door new faces coming in is there any concern from your perspective that maybe they're disrupting the chemistry or is this just providing a spark and would guys in the room be like hell yeah we're going all in
1: yeah it could go either which way it, it depends on who you bring in and who you move out and if you break up your core and uh really really disrupt you know the identity of the team it could probably go that way but it's kind of two parts for me the first part is saying goodbye to the guys and realizing that this is getting broke up and, and watch the guys leave and you know help them out with the logistics and the packing or whatever needs to happen and then the day after you know you start to see the guys move in and see how they start to fit in and and gel with the guys in the locker room and with the guys that the maple leafs have brought in i don't see it being a problem at all they're all guys with good reputations good careers uh lots of experience and and guys that are just known throughout the league and the previous teams they've played on for being really solid teammates
2: jay you know we look at the guys that are in and and also the guys that are out um, there's been a significant overhaul, not just in number of players, but one of the big things that stands out to me is, you know, sort of the compete and, and care factor that these guys that are on the left side of this board bring in. When you look at O'Reilly and how he oozes that competition, you know, some might say that this is an indictment on the, the team that's been through the battles the last few years and hasn't gotten the job done. If you're a player in that room and you see these other guys come in, does that sort of rise everyone up to the level that they play at? How does that work?
1: Yeah, I think it will. I think the guys they brought in, just as you said, are going to bring some of these intangibles that I think the Leafs have been missing. It's no secret that they haven't haven't got it done in the playoffs. Uh, there's a few reasons why, and as far as anyone can tell, and they've seemed to go out and address those situations with these trades right here. And like you said, the guys that... That are brought in are guys with that experience in the playoffs they play with that jam and they have that factor that the Leafs have been lacking and um, the guys that are moved out you know they have a lot of them and the Leafs have been guilty of maybe trying to um, win with just one-dimensional hockey and being very offensive and trying to win games by scoring five goals every night and it just has proven year after year it doesn't get it done in the playoffs and if you look at the guys on the left side, like you say, they're guys that bring an element that I think the Leafs have been missing. And I think it will be contagious. You see Luke Shen out there and Ryan O'Reilly and the way they play and, and they, they understand how things work in the playoffs. And they're going to bring that to the team. And when you have that on your side, it's contagious. And it, it should kind of filter through the bench a little bit and start to ingrain themselves as, as having a different identity when no one's doing those types of things out there. It's going to start to uh, you know wear off on other guys
2: so they've brought in a lot of players that fill voids from an elements perspective but also positionally as well and in the different areas you know sam lafferty can touch the penalty kill for instance and you know if you need eric gustafson could be someone that contributes in a big way on your power play after putting up 40 points this year the one area that has not been addressed to this point is goaltending we know matt murray is working his way back but my question to you jay is on a scale of one to ten what is your level of concern for the Leafs goaltending? And is that something they that they should address between now and Friday at 3 p.m.?
1: Yeah, it hasn't been for me. I've been thrilled with the goaltending. It was a big question mark going into the season, if you remember. You know, we get Ilya Samsonov and kind of just he gets given away by Washington and I had questions about why that would be for a a young first rounder to just be given up on so quick. If you think of, you know, his body of work was done primarily in that COVID bubble and you know how much of a disaster that could have been for those players. And you know how finicky goalies can be mentally. And I don't put a lot of stock into his performance during those years. And I think that the potential is high. And then you go and you you back that up with Matt Murray, with a bunch of um, success in the past and Stanley cups and playoff history and A pedigree that's fairly high, just hasn't been able to get it done recently, mostly due to injuries. And again, he's injured right now like you touched on. But I believe that in my mind, they're just taking it easy with him. I think he will be ready for the playoffs. I mean, nobody truly knows. But if he's healthy, I like their tandem right now. I like their duo. Their, Their numbers have been great when they're both healthy and they're both playing well. It seems like their goaltending has definitely been improved upon from years past. And I just don't see um, a big splash being made on on the goaltending position with what's left in the trade deadline here.
0: A quick one before we let you go. They made the move to free up some cap space, or a few moves to free up cap space yesterday. Now they have this first-round pick lingering from the Boston Bruins as well. Is there any area that you look at and go, eh, maybe Dubis wants to tinker there, or do you think they're done?
1: Hard to say. I mean, it depends what comes across his, his desk. I mean, it'd be so interesting to be sitting there in, uh, in their office, which it seems like Frank does anyways and knows what's going on and what options there are. But uh, I don't know if they're going to get it done. Do they want to unload that pick just because they have it? I don't think they're going to, if it doesn't make sense. And if, from my point of view, every single move that Dubas has made has made sense according to try and make this team better, fill the holes and get them ready for the playoffs. And I just don't see uh, you know, I'm not saying nothing's going to happen, but if they chuck that around, I mean you could you could add some depth on D, you could add some to the bottom six. Yeah, sure. It depends who comes across the pike and whether you want to use that or not is is yet to be seen. But I don't uh I don't see it happening on anyone in particular right now. But I'm sure Frank has got his finger a little more on the pulse than I do. Frank's scribbling in the notebook 24 Yeah, I'll say this.
2: Um, Just before we wrap the leaf segment, they've got nine defensemen, nine bona fide NHL defensemen, and they've got only 12 forwards on the roster. Yes, you could call up Wayne Simmons, but my guess is by Friday at 3 p.m., that will be a little bit more balanced out, and one of those nine defensemen will be on the move. I don't think you need that much more than eight.
1: Yeah, I think they could work someone out of there too, free up some more cap space and bring someone in that's, you know, tangible to the bottom six. Maybe, I guess, we'll yet to be seen. But uh, like you said, they're pretty heavy on the back end with with bona fide NHLers being their nine right now, right there, right now. Love the insight. Love the in- analysis,
0: Rosie. Uh, Leafs Morning Take, Monday to Friday. You can check that out on the Nation Network YouTube and also subscribe to the Leafs Nation YouTube and... Subscribe to the Daily Face Off YouTube because on Friday, Rosie's going to be a part of our Trade Deadline show. Live from noon Eastern until 4 Eastern, we're going to be breaking everything down. No commercial breaks, no geo-blocking. And Frank Saravali will be on the screen the entire time as well. So you'll get to watch him work the phones. Rosie, excited to do that show on Friday. Chat with you then, man.
1: Me too, guys. Talk to you
0: then. Moving along to our daily face-off inbox question. Hashtag ask DFO is how you can send them in on Twitter. One team or another team, I should say, that was busy yesterday. Frank, the Minnesota Wild, Bill Guerin making a couple of moves, acquiring Marcus Johansson from the Capitals, and bringing in Gustav Nyquist from the Blue Jackets, even though he's banged up right now. Uh, the question, are the Wild done or are they going to add a little bit more? Because Bill Guerin's in that unique spot. He's a contender with oodles of cap space.
2: Yeah, it's interesting when you look at this board right here in particular, because if you look at the two picks that were going out for Johansson and Nyquist, they've essentially gotten those players for free by retaining minimal amounts of money on the cap in the O'Reilly and Orlov contracts. So nothing ventured, nothing gained. Nyquist specifically is going to be a bit of a roll of the dice. He's confident that he can come back in the last couple games before the regular season, and that's important because the NHL sent a memo out saying, on Tuesday if you don't get these guys activated before the end of the regular season and attempt to bring them back for the playoffs. Well, that will be closely scrutinized for cap circumvention. So Nyquist is a risk. Johansson, a much more known commodity, also spent time in Minnesota previously. Here's what I'll tell you on the wild. They're looking, but they're not anywhere near as actively shopping as they were on Tuesday. They feel like they got a lot of their business done ahead of time in these two guys. Unless something presents itself that they really feel like can move the needle, that cap space, I don't want to say it's going to go to waste because there's, you know, they've, they've utilized some of it, but uh, they could also be involved in potentially brokering more deals, $7 million and change left to spend if they need to. Uh, Nyquist, of course, costing just a little bit more with the Blue Jackets retaining 50% on him, but that's given Minnesota the flexibility that they need if they want to use it.
0: We have some questions in the chat that I'll get to in just a second. But first, I went one for one yesterday. Missed my shot prop parlay by one Jake Gensel shot. But we'll look to pick up some wins here tonight as we start the month of March. February was actually profitable for me in my daily bet. So let's dig into tonight's slate, courtesy of our friends at PointsBet Canada. And I want to start with a matchup between the Leafs and Oilers in Edmonton. The over-under set at 6.5. Nailed the over-under yesterday in Columbus-Buffalo. And I like taking the over once again here tonight. The Leafs have had at least six combined goals in four of their last five games. For the Oilers, the over hit in eight of their 11 games in the month of February. It was only five and four for Toronto, but again, two of those games where the over didn't hit, they had six goals. They have been high scoring games. So I like going with over six and a half between these two as Matthews goes head to head with Connor McDavid. Speaking of Connor McDavid, I like his shot prop as well in this hockey game. He's hit it in four straight. It's insane that it's set at four and a half, but this guy is just crushing it. It's paying minus 120. I think that's a great spot. And also... Nick Schmaltz, plus 125. He's on your trade targets board, Frank, and he's hit his shot prop in back-to-back games, and it's paying plus 125, and it's actually been two or more shots for Schmaltz and eight straight. He's firing the pill a lot recently, and I like him to pick up at least three tonight. So those are my three plays, Frank, courtesy of PointsBet Canada. We have just a little bit of time here, so I want to ask you, we had, who's your daddy in the chat? He's a Sens fan who wants to know a little bit about what the Sens could get up to.
2: I think the Sens are also still involved in the mix on Jacob Chikrin. Um, I, I don't sense that there's anything imminent on that front, but I think they've been keeping close tabs on it. And if the price ends up changing from Arizona, like we were just talking about, that you could see the Sens be a team that dives back in.
0: I love this show because we have listeners everywhere. For you, Frank, you're out on the East Coast. You're getting ready for lunch. It's noon Eastern. Our guy, Jeremiah, it's 8 a.m. where he is up in Alaska, and he's been watching the show every day this week. So shout out to Jeremiah. Shout out to everyone who was active in the chat today. Uh, Wrapping up with a little garbage, uh, garbage time, Frank. I want to take the horns on this one. We heard, you know, Tyson Berry, emotional exit from Edmonton, a guy who was loved in the room. Jonathan Quick moved on from the Kings, an emotional exit. It's a tough time for players around the league. But one cool story that we saw was Cal Foot going to the Nashville Predators. And you see this picture of him with Matt DeShane. When DeShane first came into the league back with the Colorado Avalanche, he spent his first two seasons living with Cal's family because his dad, Adam, was obviously on the Avs. Callan was only 10 years old. Now he's 24 playing on the same team as a guy who I'm sure he played many mini sticks games against in the living room and things like that. I just thought this was a really neat story and a positive one when we see all the player movement around the league. Pretty neat.
2: Yeah, and I bet it also makes Matt Duchesne feel pretty old as well. Pretty awesome. uh, You know, feather in your cap, though, obviously a really talented guy and and a highly regarded player who's made a lot of money in this league. But to stick around for 14 years, it also tells you uh, that you've had a pretty successful career
0: yeah pretty nice run we are going to be back tomorrow noon eastern with another live show then again the big show is on friday so if you're watching on the daily face off youtube right now and you haven't hit that subscribe button do us a solid hit it hit the like button and you won't miss anything because there's going to be a lot going on over the next 48 hours as we lead up to our big deadline show also keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the breaking news you'll need march 3rd noon eastern it's gonna be a good one hopefully there's still some big names left on the board Enjoy your Wednesday hockey fans. We'll chat with you later.
1: Hold up. What was that?
0: Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh.